Welcome back to the Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, the Butler did it, Jay. Joined as always is my co-host, doing the Butler, Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing all right. That's good. It's a little bit of reference to uh, the Rick and Morty episode with the parasite things. Is it? Yeah, because he says um, he shoots some Butler one. Rick goes, I did the Butler. And he goes, who, who? And then Ghost in the Jar is like, oh, I get it. It's a play on like the butler did it, and he goes, "Ah, oh, thanks, Ghost in the Jar. You're always great at pointing out potentially obscure humor." And then he kills him. <laughs> I think that's probably the funniest joke in that whole show, to me at least, because I love it. It's great. Uh, too it's bad a- Justin Roiland's a piece of shit. I was gonna say it's very topical, isn't it? It's all right though. Yeah. Apparently, he didn't actually do shit on that. Yeah, which is, I think, not even better, but like just adds to it. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? He always is like, it's me, Justin Ruland. I created this. And everyone's like, we don't want you around. That's what I heard. They're like, we didn't want him in the room. I heard he we knew just, about him. He just didn't care to show up. Oh, well, that's. I read a thing that said his wife, his coworkers were saying that, like, as, or like the other writers and stuff, they would only. He, he showed up so rarely to the office that they only really knew he was there um, distinctly by either the sound of his dogs or uh the sound of his his little uh remote controlled car that he would drive around oh so he'd just be like well i'm tired of driving my car in the park it's raining i'll go to the office i guess so <laughs> just lunacy right but yeah, regardless absolutely insane. let's let's get into the the meat and potatoes we're talking about and potatoes quite an apt term to use because the first one, <laughs> the first one we're going to talk about today is the uh banshees of inshire that's not i don't uh, know if that's quite it Ah, whatever. I think, like, it's, I think Inisherin, right? In, in Inisherin, the Banshees of Inisherin, which is a film up in the Academy Awards. We're doing this kind of the same thing we did last year. We watch a bunch of Oscar movies and go, well, what do we think about this art movie? And usually we'd go to ah, fucking whatever. We hate it. It's our big Marvel boys. This was one um, that I was interested in when I first saw trailers for it back whenever. I was like, that's there's something there that I could maybe get on board with. Um, but we just never got around to it for whatever reason. It probably was barely at theaters around here. You know how that goes. Yeah. So uh, I had never heard of it before that. And I was like, oh, you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, right? Colin Farrell, the guy who played Mad Eye Moody. Uh-huh. I could get down with a bit of this. Yeah. This sounds like a fun time. Well, yeah, these actors. Precisely. Um, but yeah, and then it was up for Best Picture. So we're like, well, as good a reason as any. And it's on HBO. So it made it really easy. So um, we went and watched The Banshees of Inisherin. And, and kind of like you alluded to there, it's. You know, it is a more artsy sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I nothing makes me feel like more of an idiot than trying to talk about these movies. <laughs> oh yeah, um, nothing makes me feel more like a fraud and like a, yeah. like a, a wolf. I don't know, a wolf in sheep's clothing. What's the opposite? Like a like a donkey and like a crown. Like some just some ludicrous thing. Uh, something about dressed up like a lion, maybe. Yeah, a donkey, just a lion, or an emperor with no clothes. That thing like, that happens at the end of the. Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, when the ape wears the, the ape dresses lion. like a lion. I think. No. Oh, that's what it is. The ape convinces a donkey to pretend to be the to be Aslan. I believe is what happens. If I remember oh, and correctly. Like, and the ape's the Antichrist. Yeah, the ape is the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah. Or no, maybe the ape is the devil and the donkey's the Antichrist because he pretends to be Aslan. So he pretends to oh, be God, but he's God. manipulated by. Large creature, the Satan market. Man, C.S. Lewis had some fucking ideas, huh? Yeah, he was like, also Santa Claus is here, guys. Woo! Here's a sword, kids. Uh, anyways, but so yeah, nothing makes me feel like a more of a goober than because I can never think of anything better to call than like oh, these are like artsy. I guess like I 
I don't know. It's one of those things where like it has a distinct vibe. I'm not necessarily certain how to put it to words, but all mm. these movies, you're like, you watch them and you're like, oh yeah, that was that was kind of an Oscar bait type movie. I mean, there's a reason that that's a term, right? We're we're certainly not the only people to to you know observe this that like yeah, coin the term. There's kind of a pattern here, and whether or not the you know the horse comes before the cart on this one, right? Whether it's like the they truly do make movies like these for awards, or at least I that's probably not the most like that's probably a little disingenuous to say they make them you know because the people behind them like the the genuine filmmakers and creatives are probably doing it for you know genuine creative pursuits but the reason that bigger studios um i think bankroll them and stuff and that you have like these uh you have like lighthouse and um searchlight this is a searchlight movie right it's actually is lighthouse even a thing or did i just make that up the lighthouse is an a24 Searchlight sounds like a movie studio. Searchlight is was like part of Fox, and obviously now Disney has it, I believe. So Searchlight and like A twenty four and stuff. The reason that these exist to an extent is because you can, you know, you can get that kind of clout, right? Like this lends Mm -hmm. um, sort of credibility to, uh, you know, your whole operation, right? If you're what's oh fuck what's let me see if I can find it real quick. Disney's got a big one that you wouldn't necessarily know. was Disney? Oh, they own they own everything secretly, kind of. But this is one they've had for a long time. Oh, okay. Um. Well, I mean, even just like Miramax, Disney owns Miramax for longer than you might have realized. Assume. Yeah. yeah. Like so, in like the '90s and stuff, when you know Miramax was putting out Pulp Fiction, that was technically all Disney already. Damn, the mouse is in Pulp Fiction. That means they could have used. I mean, the next time Quentin Tarantino writes a movie, he can do Star Wars characters. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I think at least. Let's see. In 93. So when was Pulp Fiction? 96? Four. 94. Just just made it okay. in on the wire. Ooh, just slipped right in. Okay, I guess it was Searchlight. Why the fuck? Oh, no. So, yeah, Search... I don't know. So they have Searchlight now. I thought there was another one. I, it's, it's honestly not important. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But... They probably are gonna would would just use Searchlight now, anyways, because Searchlight I would say is one of the more notable like art house studios. And after obviously buying Fox, they just have it. So, anyways, yeah. Um, what the fuck was oh so uh, whatever Oscar bait, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> art house films Oscar bait. Feel kind of dumb talking about these because it's like I don't know a lot. Not a lot really happens, but there's like. You get that feeling in this movie where they're like, oh, they're alluding to something bigger. There's more themes at play. It's like, fucking, who cares, man? I don't know. Absolutely. Like, that to me is what is kind of, yeah, these art house like movies, Oscar bait type movies is like allegory and, and they're, they're usually like really kind of like small scale, you know, character focused like dramas, um, like, you know, Power of the Dog, where it's like, it's just kind of oftentimes like, relatively unconnected events or just like you know things out of people's lives. i mean that doesn't necessarily apply as much to this one necessarily but it's just like yeah they just they just have weird vibes to them right i mean that's there's no other way to put it it's got like a kind of i'll say it, meandering vibe yeah that's it that's a great because there's not like this plot is like that's great what is what is actually resolved nothing is resolved exactly it feels like i watched the first half of an actual movie that they stretch to be two hours project completely agree that's what it that's what it is to me is like a lot of these movies and again I, not not to generalize or paint with a broad brush or whatever but that's exactly what i'm gonna do here 
Incredible. A lot of them, yeah. There is like this meandering kind of vibe to it. Where it's like, wait, what was the point of it? And here's the thing: I understand wanting to do like you know, I, not everything, of course, needs to be Marvel or whatever the fuck. It's just like flashy, popcorny action and stuff. But still, it is nice when you can watch a movie and like sort of understand intuitively what they're going for. And maybe we really are just idiots. Like maybe we really are just absolute morons. And to most it's people, possible. this is this is self evident. But I I don't feel like it is. Mm-mm. And I think you no. can you can still make films that have something to say and, you know, have like bigger ideas and stuff while still making them a little bit more accessible. Um, but again, oh, I mean, absolutely. this movie was like very well received, obviously. I mean, it, it is again up for the Oscar and it's not even like a controversial one where everyone's like, oh, does that one? like, no, this is a massively, um, you know. But successful well, well received I was exce- yeah i'm trying to say it's it's just really it was really well received lots of praise um so i don't know you know smarter people than us or pe- people more apt at this in the know who you know genuinely like review film and stuff say that like it was one of the best movies last year so you know but what do we know but i, I certainly didn't hate it i didn't hate it but i i didn't like it if that makes sense See, I would what whatever to it in a lot of ways. So when you say you didn't like it, was it like you you, you didn't enjoy it like literally like it was because it's not an enjoyable like story or you just didn't love the experience of watching the movie? I think I would say I didn't love the experience of watching it because like objectively speaking, it was not like made poorly. Of course, I was yeah. kind of bored. I guess I was just kind of bored is really the answer. And it's not what I'm getting at there is like, it's not supposed to be, I don't think necessarily a feel good movie at all. Like, no, it is no, supposed yeah. to be kind of like, yeah, depressing bad in that way. Um, or, or sort of unenjoyable. Cause it's literally supposed to be like kind of a feel bad type. Like, Ooh, what, what is all this? <laughs> the human condition. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, you, let's get into some more specifics. Actually, how about yeah, we're dealing so, with. so Colin Colin Farrell pl- portrays Patrick or Pat, some Patrick. Irish version of Patrick P- Patrick, just like with a D. Patrick Patrick, that's right, little name. And he you know ha- he lives on this island off like off the coast of Ireland, one of the Irish Isles, the Emerald Isles, as they say, perhaps <laughs> uh, in like the 1920s. Takes about 1923, I believe, based on his calendar. Yep. And he goes, to, and the movie starts, and he goes to his friend Calm's house, played by Mad-Eye Moody, whose actor's name I never remember. And he's like, hey, let's go get a pint, because we're Irish and all that, at the pub. And he's like, he doesn't want to talk to him, and he's all in a mood, and he's like, oh, what the hell? And it turns out that he finally sees Calm, and he's like, hey, Calm, what, what's happened? Did I say something rude? Like, I'm sorry, like, I didn't mean to, whatever, if we have a problem, let's talk about it. And he's like, yeah, I just don't like you anymore. I don't want to talk to you ever again, and stay away from me. And he's like, what the fuck? And the whole movie pretty much is him trying to like get around that. And with and then Calm is very stubborn and like, do not speak to me anymore. I don't want to talk to you. I don't like you. We're done. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of like the gist of it. We'll get into the finer details. That's really that's kind of like, all. I mean, that's it. Like, that's the whole thing. Yeah. And like you said, it, it is kind of one of those things where, you know, compared to a lot of other movies, like they really stretch, you know, you could, you could argue that it was quite stretched, right? And that mm-hmm. it is a relatively thin premise that they fill out a whole. Not that it's necessarily like terribly meandering or, or poorly paced in that way. It is just interesting to note that, like, yeah, this is a whole movie where that's like the extent of it. Like, realistically, you could sum it up in a few sentences. Um, 
which again is not a bad thing, but it it, it just does very feel very much um yeah in that same kind of vein to me as a lot of these again these like super character focused you know dramas that end up um dominating the Oscars yeah at least in recent years um but I thought so let's 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 talk about some specifics I thought the actors were good Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson did a good job um oh yeah Carrie Condon I guess I believe is how you would say her name she's uh right, yeah. the sister what's her name Siobhan. Siobhan or whatever um she I think she got a lot of praise and obviously Barry Cogan uh also in here um playing kind of suitable for his role in the Eternals. Sure, yeah. And uh he's he's Joker. He's new Joker. Joker the new oh, Joker. Oh yeah, the gross new Horrible. Joker. Hate him. Hate that. So gross. <laughs> really do hate it. Um but everyone does pretty good. Uh they all, you know, Barry Cogan's kind of a weirdo in this, but that's the idea because um mm. he's like a troubled dude because <laughs> his yeah, he's dad good. molests him or whatever. Yeah, beats him and molests him and is is a cop. Yeah. Uh, there's it's it's got some kind of like light bits of humor, like they make oh, some jokes. I actually that was the thing I wanted to say. I actually think it's quite funny. There's a lot of parts where yeah, uh, generally made me laugh. Um, it's it's uh, on Wikipedia here at least classified as a black tragic comedy, which I think I was gonna say black comedy seems like the way because yeah, a lot yeah. of those kind of films where it's like ah oh, it's real sad, but we talk about how punching everybody punches a cop. Very that, that yeah, was a there's fire, some genuinely that was good very like funny. jokes or not even I don't need I guess it's a joke right. But it's in there. Humor, it's like humorous. Course. It's meant to be a, like whatever. Yeah, like a, humor. Let's just say that. the line. I guess. Like yeah, I don't know how to like like oh they were telling because yeah the characters like, aren't telling jokes to each other, but it's stuff that I think is meant to make the audience laugh regardless. Yeah, or at least bring some levity. Yeah. to a scene. So there is some genuine bits of that that I think did a really good job. Like you said, the cop one's quite funny. What does he? Say? It's like he says uh like the he's the um, calm uh he's in like confessional and the oh, yeah, yeah. is like. <laughs> Punching a cop's a sin, and he's like, "If punching a cop was a sin, we might as well pack up and go home. <laughs> we might as well all pack up and go home now." Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought that was very funny. That one definitely got a good one out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, and, and see, I don't know how this applies. The whole movie, I had the thought of like, I wonder if the if any of this is endearing to like someone who just is Irish or in the UK or something. Because I think a lot of my enjoyment of it is just from like their accents are kind of you know interesting to yeah someone who doesn't you can say silly. I don't, I don't even know if so silly is what I, I like. Generally, just interesting to hear people talk the whole movie in, mm. you know, a dialect that I'm not normally exposed to at all. They say, like, they use a lot of, like, they're kind of terms. It is interesting. Yeah, like, yeah. like, they say bread van. They say feckin'. Yeah, yeah. It, with, like, they don't, like, swear. Actually, they kind of swear. Um, reminded me a lot of uh, Letterkenny, actually, which I think is... Which is up for an Oscar this year, actually. <laughs> is it? So really? No, wow. what? Man, Oscar, f- first TV show to receive an Oscar. That's incredible. Yeah, that ensures you. Great for them. Um, but no, I was just saying, like, I guess that's maybe that reflects better on Letterkenny than I would have ever realized. Because, like, the whole point of Letterkenny in the show is that it's like the, an Irish Canadian sort of town, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess maybe they generally did their research. I don't even know where, because it's not a real place in Canada, but. I don't know. I guess maybe they did their research and because they really a lot of the mannerisms and like weird, uh, yeah, like phrases and terms and stuff they use. I don't know. I just got a lot of vibes from this. Where I'm like, it sounds like something they would say on that show, which I just think is fun. Also, the actual town of Letterkenny, Ireland, is mentioned in this. uh, Yes, I did notice that. I was like, hey, the show. I know that. Which is fun. So yeah, there's clearly something something to that. Um, But yeah, to go on. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was gonna say uh, to go on. Like we were talking earlier with the, the Oscar thing. The the really feeling I get when I was like, oh, this is definitely an Oscar movie, is because the backdrop of this is the Irish Civil War uh, on the mainland of Ireland uh, between the like the IRA and I can't like I don't remember the other group, the other Irish group. like they're Royal Civil War. I think they're just Royal. I don't even know what the faction. Let's see. Um, Civil War was waged between the Provisional Government of Ireland and the Irish Republican Army. Oh yeah, were they like? Okay. The pro- do they call them provos or something? I think it's provos. Provos versus the IRA, uh, and several points throughout the movie, the free state. A character will look across the beach and hear gunfire and be shocked and like be taken out of the movie and then right back into the movie. And it's like, all right, I know you're trying to be like, there's a war going on. It symbolizes blah 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, thanks, I get it. The war is kind of like us, or we're war is in miniature on this island. It's these two whatever so let's start with the the central conflict here so mm-hmm. colm's thing the reason he decides but i guess we'll, let's just do spoilers for the banshees of inisharan um, yeah in case you guys are really hankering yeah. to watch movie on hbo max um that's probably i mean again i, I didn't i didn't necessarily love it either but i say it's probably worth watching yourself or if you just really have no interest whatever um, but anyways, mm-hmm. so basically what it comes down to, the reason that Cole just totally decides to cut off contact with his with his good buddy, Patrick, is because he decides he's too dull. And basically, he just uh, apparently woke up one morning, seemingly from, you know, from what we're able to ascertain and just decided that he wanted to make sure that he had more of a legacy and more of a significant, like, impact they left behind. And he said, well, I've only got so much time left. So I can't just be drinking every day with my friends. I have to, I have to make music, which it's like his thing. He's like his folk musician. He's got his whatever violin, violin. fiddle thing or banjo. Do they call it a banjo? No, they they have a banjo. They have both. He has a fiddle and he has a banjo. And he's like, I'm gonna do music so that there's something to remember me by, like old the old you know great composers and stuff. Um, and that's basically where it just spirals from because Pedrick is like, I don't. I don't like like that. Like you're my best friend. This is bizarre to just cut someone off, and yeah, for uh, seemingly no reason. But he's very determined in this, and so um, eventually he gives him the ultimatum that he's like, "All right, you just gotta leave me alone, so I can just focus on my music, and, and you don't hassle me any longer. So stop talking to me. Next time you talk to me, I want to cut one of my fingers off and give it to you. <laughs> um, and then to make a long story short, he does. Uh, he falls through on it. So. To me, this is where it like really, uh, you know, kind of takes a step over. Cause it, it, not that I'd ever thought he was really in the right or anything. Um, mm-hmm. I think Colm's thing is pretty unreasonable the whole way through. But obviously, that's where it like really takes the next step. Where you're like, all right, I think he's actually just like really, he really is just unwell. <laughs> yeah, like he's mentally unwell. He has depression. They talk about that. Like, does he have depression? And they the priest has him houses despair. But he's like, no, I'm fine, actually. I, li- I like that I mutilated myself. It gave me control. And I was like, but what are you... And uh, he does specifically, he mutilates, which shows that he's kind of out of his mind, is that he mutilates his left hand, which is the hand he uses to play the fiddle, like hit the str- put the strings on the frets to play the notes properly. And these string musicians like, will know this, of course. Uh, and he mutilates that hand. And it gets to the point where he cuts all his fingers off on his left hand, and his hand is basically useless. And it's just like, why? I'm watching movie going like, why would you do any of that? It's a little upsetting watching someone get mutilated. Also, self mutilation is gross a little bit, but like, it's just like, why would you do any of that? Why would you do that? When, like you said, he he intentionally cuts off the fingers for his actual hand that he would use for the music. 
which is crazy. Like, and I think that probably ties in pretty well to um, the thing about it being an allegory, an allegory right? Because it's this conflict with these two individuals, and like he only ends up hurting himself, kind of thing, right? Like, there's lots of you know parallels there to like a civil war of like mm-hmm. in his determination to like you know get his way on this he's like yeah actually fuck you i'm gonna cut my own hand off right or well, my own fingers off, like which is kind of what a civil war does right of like fuck you if i don't you know we're in a fight over this country that we're all supposed to be you know living together in harmony exactly i'm gonna ruin the things that i like to show you how serious i am um but yeah it's like i don't i I definitely don't agree with his whole philosophy. I mean, it's something interesting I suppose to think about, but like, yeah, I, I'm inclined to just pretty much uncritically, well, not uncritically, but I pretty much completely line up with, uh, with Patrick in this, um, where like his whole mindset throughout this movie where he's like, well, you're boring and boring people suck or whatever. And I want smart people to talk with. And I want to make art that people remember and, and all that nonsense. Um, but he's, he's constantly called out by like, um, basically everyone else around for like kind of being like shallow himself right like yeah. i like when shaban tells him like like she calls him out for not actually knowing when uh mozart was around or whatever it was was it mozart i think it was right? yeah it was mozart he's like oh, it's 17th century and she's like it was the 18th century he's like oh huh. or like when he he's complaining once again about um patrick being boring and she's like you're all boring like you really think you're not fucking boring <laughs> like what, yeah. do you, what have you? You're you on really a small have... island off the mainland of Ireland, and already not that big island. Exactly, like that's lunacy in a lot of ways. Like you're, of course, he's yeah. boring. You're all, you all, we all live on an island. What? what it's 1923. <laughs> yeah, we we haven't had the Great Depression yet. Um, and like, I, I almost feel like I, I thought going into it maybe that the movie was going to be sort of like, oh man, which side, which which of them really is right? But I, you know, after seeing it, I really don't think that. Padraig does much of anything wrong. No. Um, so maybe he's a little like, he just can't can't cut his losses. Yeah. But like, I also don't know that I can necessarily fault him for that. Just because yeah, like, it's like, it really would friend. be an upsetting thing to happen to you. And it just doesn't make yeah. any sense. And like, it would be a weird thing that you might fixate on. <laughs> so it'd be like, why is he mutilated? And then we, when you, and it only works worse when he's like, and now I have his finger. He actually cut his own finger off and you can't take that back because you cut your fucking uh-huh. finger off. Like what? Like where do you even go from here? How do you like? How would you process this? Yeah, it's, and then it, like it it gets worse because his sister then leaves and goes to the mainland for a job, and uh, his donkey that he loves so much is well, in the movie chokes on some of he like eats his fingers because a dumb donkey like yeah, yeah. Got calms fingers and chokes and dies, and then he's like, okay, well now this guy's like actively destroying my life, like his selfishness killed my like the one thing i had like a couple things that made me happy it was him my sister and my donkey and now they're all gone like what am i supposed to do and again that sort of continues to to work off that right of like well fuck you you hurt me now i'm just gonna then he decides he's like i'm gonna burn your house down and then after that right then he's like well we're all right you burned my house down we're even now right and the the movie ends with him being like no (laughs) this isn't over until one of us is dead and like yeah, yeah, there's definitely some uh, some pretty strong allegory there. I think. Um, so you touched on his sister. That's like a side. She's one of the side characters, and she eventually just gets sick of it all and thinks that the island sucks and everyone on it sucks. And she's kind of right. And so she just goes and moves to. Um, what did she move to? Did she say what city? Derry or something? I can't remember. Um, she, she just moves to the mainland though and gets a job as a librarian. Right? Is that it? 
Yeah, it's a librarian job. She likes books so much. And uh, she's just like, it's sick here. You should just come live here. That island sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's all that we leave off with her. Um, and Patrick is like, nah, appreciate it, but I can't. My life is here. And my donkey, who you don't know is dead yet, <laughs> is here. Yeah, um, but I, told, I said, oh, Jenny's licking my hand right now, even though she's been dead for a couple of days. Um, and then the other side character is Barry Cogan, who is, well, what's he called? Uh, he's, oh, I don't remember. Um, Dominic. Dominic. Who is just kind of like local layabout guy. Um, kind of unwell. Yeah, look, again, kinda a little kind of troubled um, because their local constable police officer dude is his dad who like beats him and molests him and shit. Um, so they got a whole thing going on. Yeah. It, they live with them for a while. Uh, there's a funny moment when they're talking about like, how, like dummy is and Dominic who has been shown up to this point to be kind of a dumb character, kind of dumb. Like uh, Pet- uh, Patrick is he's like, he says touche and he doesn't, Patrick doesn't know what that means. He's like, what, what do he say? And he's like, what? He's like, it's from the French. So it's like, Oh, this guy's actually, maybe really dumb and it doesn't, it doesn't help patrick in the moment he's like oh fuck this kid knew something new french and this guy's an idiot and i didn't even know that am i really that stupid because he spends all movie being yeah. like am i dumb like he has a lot of crises of heart and it's not fair like it just kind of like makes him mean for no reason because like yeah. he's just like no you're just a nice person like you just are nice to people and people are treating you shitty because they kind of because they can mm-hmm. he's like i'm like ah, i can get rid of him he's just a dumb boring nice guy and i can get rid of him it's like well why would you do that no, and his and his monologue in um the bar there where like he's where he breaks down and is like used to be nice like this you're being mean and shitty and like this doesn't make any sense kind of thing. And I think there's a lot of like there's a a lot there like that I would agree with about you know when he's like well you don't get to, uh Colm is like well you don't get to, you know remembered or famous or whatever for being nice and he's like why not like people yeah people remember you for being nice because they knew you and knew you were nice like that's. And that's almost as important as anything, right? Um, mm-hmm. The idea that, like, oh, I've got to leave something behind that, like, people were married for hundreds of years. Like, yeah, ultimately, how many people really ever get anything like that in life? That's not really what it's about, I guess. Like, I focus on that, you'll alienate everybody. Only the truly great get that. And he's like, I remember my parents. They were nice. They were just nice. They didn't leave behind much of anything notable, but they were nice, and I love them, and I remember them for that. And I was like, yeah, this is a good, this is a nice scene. I like that. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with just being a nice dude who just lives his life. Like yes, obviously there's there is some like you know existential something that I'm sure a lot of people deal with at various points of life of like oh man you know what is it all for like what are we here for kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know that you could fault anyone for that right like again I think that's a thing probably a fair bit of people experience at certain points of their life but you don't got to be a dick about it <laughs> no you don't got to like punish yourself to punish him mm-hmm. and then it, he like says. Uh, Colm's like, oh, I think I like him more. That was great. Like, he's never talked like that before. Mm. And then Dominic's like, yeah, he liked when you yelled at him. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll just do that. And then he did that. And then he was like, I'll cut off all of my fingers now. So it's like, what? He did what you kind of wanted. And then you're like, yeah, I don't actually don't want him to talk to me anymore. What? Why? Why would you do? It's 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 just truly confusing. And of course, it's like an allegory to the Irish Civil War and um, what's happening. And I think this movie coincides with like the end of it. Because they mentioned the constable's like, yeah, you got to go to the mainland to oversee some execution. And I don't give a fuck who we're killing as long as we're killing somebody, right? Comes like, what the fuck? That's kind of wild that you would say that to me, policeman. Uh, and it's, I think in real life, the Civil War ended when they executed like the head IRA guys. Uh, if you if you know better, correct us, but whatever. Uh, and that kind of coincides with the end. And it ends with like 
oh, maybe things will get better. Colm has a really optimistic look, and then Patrick's like, no, it's just going to get worse again. Cause like, I'm never going to forget kind of thing. Yeah, like, we're never going to forget. We're not going to stop until, like, I am the last man standing. And it's just, like, goes to show that Colm's like, okay, now we're good. Like, I've, I'm all right now. I actually, I got all out of my system. Cutting off all my fingers and, like, kind of ruining your life. That, you know what, now I feel better. You should give up on it. And it's like, well, no, this this is your fault. You did this to me, and now I'm worse. Like, you've pushed me in a direction I don't think I can come back from easily. And again, like, if you, I think, playing into, like, that, that allegory, is that, like, he, I guess in that sense, is, uh, is Calm, like, the pro-treaty? Like, the like the more loyalist sort of faction of it? Because he's, like, trying to be fancy, and, and he's all worried about, like, being smart, and, like, oh, you're not smart enough for me kind of thing, like... He's, he's maybe he's or, trying to be some kind of upper class sort of thing, like probably above what he really ought to like has any right to claim, right? Because again, he does just live now, but he's like, well, no, I'm smart and distinguished. I know music. I was thinking that he was actually the IRA, but I'm trying to remember if in the movie they talk about how many people are going to be executed. Because unless I'm making this up to fit my point, I think it was about five, which would be all, which represent all the fingers he cuts off. So then, like, okay, the IRA is over. We're done. All right, we're good. We did the war. Okay, they're done. Well, we don't want to do it anymore. But everybody else would be like, but you, you forced us into war. Like, you did this big war, and now you get to be, it's over because your five of your fingers are gone. Like, your leaders are gone, so it's done. Like, well, no, that's not how that works. So I maybe that could be it, but I mean, I think yours is just as likely. Well, the IRA, well, fuck. See, <laughs> we're showing our. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who started it. I think it depends on who started, the, like, what, where the central conflict is. And I don't know anything about. I only know is that they had a big famine and that and they killed the English for a while. That's all I know about Ireland history wise. Uh, so we're kind of showing our ass here, but nah, it's all right. At least we acknowledge it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hold on, let's see if I can find anything on here. God, the fucking plot synopsis on Wikipedia is a million things long. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I got nothing. But yeah, I don't. I don't really know enough. <laughs> I don't think either of us do about obviously the yeah. war, but there might be something there and like. Ultimately, I think there's also just a thing like outside of that whole allegory. Like, I do think the movie is probably trying to say on some level that like there's nothing wrong with just being a nice person who just lives an uneventful life. Probably, because mm-hmm. at least you're not cutting yeah. your own fingers off. Then, <laughs> yeah, and the alternative is worse. Probably right. Probably, I hope. Like, like Gandalf's quote, where it's the little nice, nice things that keep the world going and keep you at bay, or something. I'm sure, they're kind of going off a Gandalf quote, right? I don't know. Something. <laughs> Something. So I think that's, I don't know if you've been, I don't have much to say else about this movie. We could really wrap it up here with our I mean, who, famous question. Do you wanna, wait, do you want to try to do anyone else? Who, who, who are the other characters, like the side characters in this allegory? Uh, there was the, there was the priest who they like called out because he was like, you have improv thoughts about men? And he was like, ah, oh, well, never. Oh, fuck you. Get out of here. That, that was so pretty I funny. The, oh, you know what else was priest. a somewhat funny part is when he's trying to get rid of that musician. Um, Oh yes, he tells him he's got to go home because his dad was hit by a bread van, and then he's like, and then he th- thinks he's Luke because he's like, I can't even believe it, and he's and Patrick thinks he's losing him or whatever, so he's like, well, you know, it happened sometimes, and the guy's like, I know, that's how my mom died. <laughs> right. He's like, oh and no, he runs off. He's like, if it's the same bread van, I'll kill him. <laughs> I thought that was very funny, actually. That was a very funny bit. And then when they like oh. might become friends again, he's like, I'll go get your music friend. I told him his dad died, but it's all right now. He doesn't have to do that. I think so. Is her leaving? Siobhan leaving? That could be like Irish people leaving. Well, she, she well she leaves the island for for like the mainland, but that could be Irish people leaving Ireland for England because I know that's a problem they have had like a lot. 
Um, so that could be that, right? Shaban's like, it sucks there. Just come to this better place and leave all that shit behind. Yeah, fucking what are you doing, man? I don't know. Who's the cop? Is the cop the English, maybe? I think he's just a cop. He's just a, you know, like cops. Probably the English. Just this, like, oppressive kind of, like, authority figure who is actually shitty to people, kind of. Because mm-hmm. he's, like, and, like his actual son. son and stuff. Like, person who, above all, he should protect and care for. He's, like, the worst, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that, is that anything? That's that's something for sure. I don't know if that's what Colin Farrell's going for, but maybe. Sweet. Um, but yeah, overall, what do so? What were we gonna say? Our, our final question should be. I was gonna say. I remember last year we did like, will this movie win Best Picture? Oh, um, I think it very much. I, could. I definitely think it's like it's got the makings of a yeah. of an Oscar Best Picture winner. Do you disagree? Uh, I think it definitely has that like trapping. Right, right. But I think what it's up against. Has a better shot. I like, if it was a, if it was another year, maybe mm-hmm. I'd put this like maybe last year. Maybe I'd let it stack higher. Can't really remember who was up last year, but but this year I feel like it's got too many things that are kind of the same kind of feeling that have like even bigger receptions, like kind of thing, sure. and have more clout behind them. So I think maybe it this year it was like a like a bad timing for them. But who knows? The Oscars, as we always say, are fucking nonsense bullshit. Um. It also it looks really good. Like technically, I think it's great. Oh, yeah. Like there is a lot to love there. If you're into that kind of stuff, it it really is a good looking movie. Um, again, yeah, it certainly has all the tra- like great performances. Um, it looks great. Again, I the plot itself isn't really. I don't think exceptional. Like it's. I think it's because it's this allegory and stuff that would sort of elevate it. To, and it's one of those movies that I think because it is kind of relatively simplistic to an extent right mm-hmm. part of what is so appealing about those as like a higher sort of like thing is that you get to then it's all about trying to understand the meaning right yeah. i think that's i mean not to be this is like a not very charitable view of it all but it's like oh if it's kind of vague and weird and arty then i can just like we can all you know wax philosophical about what these movies are probably might be about and we can all sound smart with our theorizing and our oh ho, yes don't you see? It was an allegory for the the state of Ireland in Yes, yes, yes. And really, if you well, if you look at this scene here, it's actually indicative of British imperialism throughout the entirety of the fifth and sixth centuries, all the way extending until the fifteenth and sixteenth. You see, and then this, well, this here, that's just a potato famine. Don't you understand? And this is just a shot of a dog. And I'm all gonna be winning, guys. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, again, I'm not. That's not super yeah, charitable. No. But I think there is something but to I, that. I think just that like. These yeah. movies that are less actually spoon fed is like I think get more sort of uh, whatever as a result because you can you can like bring in your own meaning and and really elevate it in that way. So I think it definitely has the the trappings of sort of a of a Oscar contender. Um, and again, I, a lot of people love it and like do think like so I'll tell the times of people like oh yeah this is basically a perfect movie. And I'm like all right I I'll definitely take your word for it. But it's like it's. It's just not the type of movie that I appreciate as much, for better or worse. Perfect movie, huh? Well, I mean, God bless my guess. Again, yeah, it's just not the type of movie that I really engage with as much. Yeah, get down with. No, I agree. It's it's odd to me to call it a perfect film. I mean, like again, I don't know that I have any notable like like you know anything that I would point to as like a big flaw. You know what I mean? Like I get it. Like Mm -hmm. there's something to this for sure, but also I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know, man. Also, I, I just couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you one way or the other. That's that's where I fall as well. 
which again is i guess it's where we arrive on a lot of these where it's just like what is but i i do have like a higher opinion of this than say like the power of the dog oh absolutely product sucks i really kind of think that one was just like not even as well just said it like I think yeah. that really wasn't even as well done, maybe as this kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if it didn't win. Let's say that yeah. there's a couple others that, that I think are more deserving. Everything, everywhere, all at once, baby. Let's hope they do a sweep. It'd be sweet. That'd be good. Uh, so we probably I can take out of this yes, now sir. into the Bad Batch mid-season premiere, kind of. I don't know what to call it premiere uh, episode seven and eight. Uh, kind of a little two-parter here. I don't remember what the names are called. Do you remember? Uh, no, I'm bringing it up though. Incredible. Uh, so yeah, we got a two part uh, season, mid season kind of spectacular. Um, it's kind of two parts of the same. It's kind of the same storyline. Uh, first episode doesn't involve the bad batch at all. Second episode, they show up to kind of help out, uh, and it revolves around um, clone rights. So the implementation implementation of the clone army. Uh, and uh, implementation, the uh, decommissioning of the clone army and the start of the stormtroopers of the Imperial army. Uh, so the first episode deals with like senators getting involved and like trying to figure out what happened and exposing what Admiral Rampart did last season to Camino, uh, where he bombed the shit out of everything and killed everybody. I was like, guys, it was just a big hurricane that killed them all. Oops. <laughs> I was off planet. What can you do? Uh, and we get Bail Organa is involved. Um, we get some banking clan people. Being like, I think they're right. Let's do stormtroopers. Um, people are getting killed, assassinated. Well, really, it's not their... actually about stormtroopers. So, for, first true. of all, it's we have spoils of ruin, spoils of war, and ruins of war are the name of the two episodes. Um, so basically, what it is is that Emerald Rampart is campaigning for a bill that would support the program he's been pushing, which is not actually the stormtrooper program, right? It's his TK trooper thing, which is technically different. Um, Okay. I think, unless there's something I'm misunderstanding, but um, we can we can get to this later. So he's pushing for his thing, and there's basically pushback uh, against the like whatever, um, precious few like actual senators with integrity in the Imperial Senate, which are like uh, such favorites as uh, obviously, of course, Bail Organa, and the main character sort of of this episode is Rio. Um, no, what the fuck's her name? Rio. It's Rio Tucci, uh, right? What's her, what the fuck's her name? Chuchi, Rio Chuchi. Why does that not sound right? Uh, no, that's definitely just your name. Know. Okay, I'm sorry. So Rio Chuchi. I don't. I don't know. Smurf lady. I'm tired or something? What'd you say? Said Smurf lady. Sure. Yeah, she's blue. She's a Pantoran. She's great. She there. She's from the South African race. <laughs> they all sound <laughs> South African, if you can't tell. Also, oh yes. Um, shout out to um Tynra Pamlo, who is the I don't know if you picked up on this. Um. She is the one of the other senators who speaks up in favor of them. She's like in white. She's like a she's like a black human woman. We're not. Oh yes, and she's from Rogue One. She's one of the council of of the rebellion there, like the alliance. Yeah. In that scene when they're all deciding what to do and all all the those senators are being all pussy about it. You recall this, surely? Yeah. She's like, we we have to send the fleet or whatever. She she says, what does she say? One of the things she says is when she's like, if it's a war you want, you'll fight alone. And it's like yes, useless. Man. You're useless. Yeah. Tamla, Terrible. Tanya, whatever your name is. But she's like, I got to fight. We, I rebel or whatever. Yeah, and that's when she's like, we, what's for about? But regardless, good honor. Good, good for you, Tanra. Um, so she's there too. fighting the good. Fight. So, anyways, they're they're actually being like, hey, maybe not. And like, hey, guys, maybe we don't need to spend a bunch of money on an army when we still have millions of clone troopers. What's that about? 
let's get to the bottom of that. So this whole episode is about Rio Chuchi trying to like talk with the clones and, and like kind of reach out to them and be like, wait, what is going on? Um, how can we help you? Like, do you guys want to retire? Like what, what are your needs? Like, you know, really for the first time delving sort of into a lot of the ethics behind this, um, Mm-hmm. Which we also got into in the Clone Wars a lot of like the ethics of making new clones, but now it's like the real long term ramifications of you have you know bred an entire you know race of individuals practically for war, right? For this one conflict, and now you have a bunch of human beings who didn't exist prior to you making them for a conflict. And now that yeah. that's done with, what do you do with these human beings that you've fucking grown? Yeah. You've grown them, and so much they're so integral that they've literally named that period the literal like after them. They're literally yeah, called yeah, the Clone exactly. So and it's it's fascinating. Like these some great stuff um, mm-hmm. to deal with in these episodes, and like obviously it's very much an uh, allegory for like actual you know real world vets um, who are not necessarily not necessarily who are not clones at all. <laughs> but um, of course, it obviously it's, unless. That's what the government have you believe. Yes, exactly. But the I've seen us. <laughs> that's true. There is clones of us all beneath the ground or whatever, because there's a million miles of yeah. tunnels, according to Jordan Peele. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's I think it's basically a worthy uh, story to tell, to get into with through the lens of Star Wars. And like I say all the time, like this is when sci-fi really is great, when it's like we can use sci-fi concepts and ideas to apply to, you know, obviously real world stuff. And so in this case we don't have to like face head on necessarily the sort of difficult and daunting like thing of how do we treat like actual real world veterans, right? Which is understandably a tough sort of thing, but it's like we'll distort it through the lens of star Wars and we can at least, you know, put those ideas out there and maybe get people thinking. Although you'll be uh, pleased to know Jack that even then there was discussions this week where people arguing that it's not an allegory for veterans at all. Oh my god. It was only about the morality of cloning. What? And I'm like, how can you no. not understand that it's both? It's very much both yeah. things. Like it's bizarre yeah. to to insist You can have two themes. Yeah, it's bizarre to insist that it's not about like veterans of war because the because in this case the veterans are clones and so it's only about clones. It has nothing to do with like any other veteran. Like it was it's insane. Insanity. Regardless. Um so Senator uh, Rio's doing this, Rio Tucci's doing this. Um also we have a guy whose name I can't remember now, but a clone um, who starts to catch wind of like the conspiracy that may be afoot here because he was on Camino right when it happened. So his thing is that he's like, mm, we should tell someone. His friend is like, I'm gonna. Uh, I sent <laughs> Rampart an email, giving him an <laughs> ultimatum, and uh, of course, Rampart being the uh, you know scrupulous, moral having guy that he is. Um, Empire employee uh, literally has him assassinated. So then this guy's on the run, um, and there's kind of this three-way chase here where he reaches out to a, a character we don't know at first for help, and also he's talking to Rio, and then you also have a Rampart trying to hunt him down to get him, um, right. which inevitably does happen. This guy gets killed to keep his silence, but uh, at the last minute, of course, uh, Rex shows up to save Rio and. Uh, caught up to speed right which is cool oh yes. first appearance of yeah, rex this season wasn't he on oh right that was last season yeah first appearance of rex big fan uh he's like ah rats uh turns out they catch his assassin turns out that ramparts assassin is just a clone <gasps> without like an identifier chip and they're like 
they're going to talk here, buddy. And he's like, nah. And then he bites his electric tooth and he short circuits his brain and kills himself. Classic. Classic. You always got to have that. You think they'd check their teeth first. You think. Um, give them mouth guards or something. But I just want to say big ups to Rio Tucci. Um, great character. I, I don't know how much you remember of her, Jack, but so she first appears in the Clone Wars in the season one episode, Trespass, which is one of my favorite episodes of the whole series forever. And uh, it's really cool that like the way the Clone Wars and, and stuff works like this and, and just Star Wars in general, like being such a big, expansive universe um, sometimes because you have a character who started as a relatively minor character in the Clone Wars. Like I said, she appears first in season one and she shows up a handful of times throughout the series. Right. Um, mm. But she's truly kind of the main character of that episode in season one, which she never really is again. She just is kind of like a background side character. She's like, you know, Ahsoka's friend and she's like Padme's friend and she shows up some, from time to time. But it's even, you know, even then it's cool to see across like all these different episodes, just, you know, stringing all these appearances together that she even then has sort of like a, a discernible arc where in um, season one, she is like, this completely inexperienced um, ineffectual senator who's like, it's her first time out and she's like really unprepared. And to see her evolve over time to this point that she is here in the Bad Batch where she's like, again, one of the few voices of genuine integrity left in the Imperial Senate, I think is really pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, was, I don't remember. From, I don't, I thought she was a new character. I'll be honest. Okay. I don't not remember from the Clone Wars. I haven't seen that. Uh, shown a while she's got but, it's this episode where um they go on this ice planet and it turns out that there's actually dudes living there the talls and um the pantorans are like well this is our moon so fuck you guys we're not gonna recognize your sovereignty you're you're our people and of that are understandably like we disagree and it we would boils over into fighting until the chairman is killed and they're like senator chuchi um, you have you have free reign to uh, negotiate a piece there, and she has to go do it. It's pretty cool. That's how the episode ends. Is like she's like, "Hey Obi Wan, I was hoping you could do this for me, right? Because um, you're real good at this. You're the negotiator." And he's like, "Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not going to work if I have to do it." Um, and so she goes out there and does it herself. And obviously, it's a school moment where she she does, and she gives an impassioned plea to them, and it works. And they're like, "Did make a piece?" And they go, "Bottom, bottom, bottom, exactly." You, you see, you get it. I get. It. I've seen. I've seen the Clone Wars. Hey, Obi Wan has a really cool quote. Of it. I can't remember exactly what it, but it's something like, "He's like, she's like, well, what do I do now?" And he's like, "Remember, like, remember this, so that, and like, share it basically, so that this war and all wars could someday end." And then it, da -da, da -da, da -da. Yeah, you get it. Uh, that's a classic. They always gotta like, we gotta end an Obi Wan quote. Um, yeah, it's great. Love it. But anyways, so I, I just think that's cool. That like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, 15 odd years later she gets to show up again and like they're like oh look at this like complete sort of arc she had again as like a as like a you know a real c d tier glup shadow type <laughs> just getting that arc. <laughs> that's what's so fucking great about star wars man like you do get these characters we're ultimately who who knows who rio chuchi is not you clearly not me not even a million years of what i guess she gets to do stuff like that which is fun but then the second episode is when we actually get the batch themselves are good up. friends the bad batch and i want to right at the beginning um we see echo uh, echo well, echo's in it um omega is meditating on the ship and was kind of asleep when they're flying and echo's like what are you doing omega you meditating again he's she's she's like yeah i was trying to do it like how gunji taught me but i can't he can do it so much better than i can and echo's like well yeah he's like magic remember 
Like he's like a magic person <laughs> who can like do magic with God. And you, so you're not going to be able to do it as well. He's like, oh, I guess that's true. Do you like meditating Echo? And he's like, I can't. The silence. I can't stand being alone. And I was like, Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Someone there. Man. He's fighting demons. I mean, he's a literally a monster. They kept him in that tank. He's a robot. No, he's not. He's a good guy. He's not a monster. They kept him I mean, in that a, tank for like two years or whatever, just just really having a bad time of it. Yeah, he was like, yeah, it was. I was alone for a long time in that horrible planet, and uh, I hated it. And luckily, these people saved my life, or I would probably still be there, or maybe dead. Probably dead by now, but. He's done. He's like, yeah, it's great. So they get a message from Rex, and they're like, hey, fellas, why don't you give me a hand out on Coruscant, the last place you want to be? They're like, that's the last place we want to be. He's like, yeah, f- f- fucking forget about it. Come here. So they go to Coruscant, and Rex is like, you got to go steal this these plants that the um, clone from last episode, who is killed by the assassin, uh, to get the plants from Rampart's Venator to prove to the Senate that he did the wrong thing. So they do that. Uh, Echo learn, uh, Echo Omega learns what government is, because I guess she just didn't know. Yeah, someone uh, has to explain to her that the clones don't get their own representative in government. She's like, this sucks. I hate this. Grr. This isn't really representation. We're like, yeah, tell me about it, Omega. Man. Bloody, tell me about it. I'm like, tell me, hey, the first day here? It. Wow, jeez. Yeah. We get a, we get a little more the, allegory. Join the club, Omega, huh? I uh, buddy, get, get wise to it, eh, mate? <laughs> and uh, we, Balorgana's talking to um, a Smurf lady whose name I literally just forgot. Rio. What's her name? Rio. And she, he basically just pulls a follow the money, eh? Government runs on money. Did you know that? And that's not an algorithm to any kind of real world governments, especially not our own. It's like, hey, follow the money. Go talk huh? to that defense They'll- contractor. <laughs> yeah, who got like mo- removed from her position because they were stealing funds from her. Go talk to her, but don't think about it. It's not America. Uh-uh. Uh, so I talked to her, and, Cam- and this Kaminoan lady's like, fucking, I don't care about the Kaminoans. They suck ass. They were that other guy was so cocky. I hated him. I don't care that everyone I knew is dead. Why would I? Every- why would that bother I'm me? The, something like that. I'm like the last. I'm the last ten people of my kind. I, I couldn't even care less. I couldn't care less. Truthfully, that's interesting to learn. Um, for me at least, I didn't realize it was so complete that like they destroyed pretty much all of like the um settlements on Camino. Like they killed almost all of them. They did almost a genocide because of course they did because they're the fucking empire. But like. You know, we just see them destroy typical typical tepi. What the fuck's it called? Tapioca City. And uh, yeah, tapioca. <laughs> and you're like, okay, fuck, that sucks. But I didn't realize that. Like, I mean, maybe that's the only city they lived, but I doubt it. Um, I assume they just got all the rest of them too, just to just for good measure, you know, because it's something the Empire is known to do. Oh yeah, and then uh, they get them with the Venator, and they do a bunch of fun maneuvers, and they improvise. Classic stuff. Uh, classic stuff. Uh, there's a fun moment when they're like. Uh, on the underbelly of like a sh- transport kind of ship and Rucker's like oh, I hate heights and Rex is like I thought you were better and Echo's like he is better this is him better at heights and he's like oh I hate heights so much which is fun uh they do a bit of they get the plans and it's and it's revealed they reveal Ram- Rampart's deception and he's like oh he's just following orders and then our good friend Emperor Palpatine appears what a t- what like, a moment huh I was cool. I was like, "Ooh, he's here!" Ooh, that's so I knew because I, I remember the trailer. But I was like, "Ooh, it's cool that he's here now." Like, never you, know, you don't really get a lot from him from this kind of and stuff. And it's really like I don't know. It's given a lot of weight in the episode, and it's just like handled really well. Of like everyone's like, "Oh shit, the emperor is actually here," um, which is this is not really a context we've ever really seen other than seen in, in episode three. But like uh, other than that, to see the emperor emperor addressing the imperial senate is kind of a rare thing because again obviously for the entire like actual original trilogy era of the movies themselves um the senate doesn't exist anymore 
So it's cool to see, again, like we got some of this in um, Gandor, right? Like the Imperial Senate is still functioning, at least on some, um, you know, basic ceremonial level. level if nothing else i guess so to see him mm. have to like go through the official channels is really interesting and he uh is like oh this is terrible i can't believe this happened rampart what a sneaky little boy we will punish him by that i'm gonna torture him with my sith lightning uh and then uh he's like yeah you know the clones followed the orders and i think that's not cool so let's actually fucking kill them all and do my thing which is stormtroopers <laughs> the fact and they're like oh Oh dear! Wait, hold on. This is not what I wanted at all. The fact that he listened, the 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 clones listened explicitly to orders and do what we told them without question. Well, that doesn't make them very good, I don't think. So we need to get rid of them all. And everyone's like, yeah, "Yes, Palpatine, yeah, we love you." Good. Oh my god! Holy shit! I look. Can I kiss you, please? <laughs> kiss my son. I do. I I really loved um when they're making some of their arguments, like Rio and Bell and stuff. They are smart enough to like play into the system right which is again very like what mon mothma was up to and stuff too right um in the sense that they're like hey guys come on don't we want to be a better empire like this isn't what the empire stands for and i'm like you know they're they're playing into it right like they're you know what i'm saying like they're um yeah, yeah. Playing they're along like, with the whole not, thing. They're not like, yeah. guys, we, we should we really be an empire empire? Like, no, that ship has sailed, right? So they know they have to mm -hmm. work within the system that exists. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting for them to be like, guys, don't we want to be the best empire we can be? <laughs> the best galactic yeah, empire? And everyone's like, Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess, I guess you're right. But even then, like, it's very fun to be like, oh, he of course, Emperor Palpatine planned for this because he literally is the one who orchestrated the clone war. So like you think he's not going to be like, well, I'll just get rid of the clones my own way. I was either way, the clones are leaving, mm -hmm. right? Even though we know they have to get stormtroopers, interesting to see like, well, how does this work? And it's more interesting to be like, oh no, he, he tricked everybody. Yeah, he made him. He, made, he did the thing he always does where he puts two people against each other and he's like, oh, come on, fight, come on, who's right? And then at the end, doesn't matter. And then he, he was just, gonna get what he wanted yeah, anyway. every time. This is what he's so great at. Because then he just gets to waltz in at the end and be like. Well, I suppose I have no choice. This isn't necessarily what I wanted to happen. You understand? Of course. I mean, this is just the way it has to be. You, you all understand. And we're like, we understand, Palpatine. We understand. We understand. Absolutely. absolutely. Sure. Of course, you've done so well. Thank you so much. He's like, gosh, guys, I wish I wish it were different. But alas, this is the uh, I must play the cards that I've been dealt. And it's just, Woe is me. Damn it. And I, I do like that the bad chairman was like, fuck, he got us. Damn it. He's so good at this. Ah, we played right. We literally played right into his hand. Now they're going to kill all the clones. Also, it was um great that it was Ian McDermott back doing it again. Amazing. Oh, was it? I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it really it was. was. Him, um, I don't. God bless. He loves doing yeah, it. Yeah, he must. Someone said maybe he, he did it. The maybe they had him record this the same time he did his stuff for Obi-Wan, which probably makes sense because. Yeah. You got to double dip at least, right? If you're going to get. Like, we got you. Studio, we'll here for another like 20 minutes recorded little speech if you're gonna get ian mcdermott to uh actually come do it you may better make it worth his while people are joking though and they, there's probably some validity to it he, he probably did both of these in about one take <laughs> just rolled in and did oh, it yeah. he's like all right guys see ya so just throw it once and went we good all right perfect it's great we are super great loved uh, it absolutely loved this I, I, this whole two-parter cool. like the whole thriller of it um it really is a bit of a departure from like the kind of just adventure of the week stuff of like, it, it, especially that first one. It's very much like a political thriller thing, right? Oh, you yeah. know, and obviously 
it's a political thriller through the lens of a Star Wars cartoon. But still, like, it's all like all intrigue and there's assassins and shit. And it's like we're passing bills, but it's like there's there's conspiracies afoot. Like, I think that's super interesting. And um, obviously, again, seeing it play out where like ultimately they don't really win this one, do they? Like, they kind of take this that's one the big <laughs> Um, yeah, you're like, ah, well, we'll get them next time, boys. And but they won't. The situation of the clones is left pretty fucking precarious here, which leads us mm. to um, what happens at the end here, which is our boy Echo um, decides to leads stay behind, yeah. stay with Rex to work to help, uh, basically help the the clones, because he's like, guys, they really need me. Like, stuff's bad right now. We don't know what's gonna happen to them all. They, uh, you know, I'm gonna help. Rex here with his operation to, to try to help some of this. And he leaves behind and it's like a nice, tearful little um, goodbye with him and uh, Omega. She's like, oh, yeah, Omega. like, you know, you're one of the batch. Like, we need you, man. Because he's, he's like, Omega, like, they need me. Like, I gotta do I gotta, you know, help these people if I can kind of thing. But she's like, well, we need you too, man. And he's like, ah, it's alright. I'll come back. back. And they have a nice little hug and stuff and then she dips out. And she's sad on the ship yeah. with her uh, her stuff too good thing. Yeah, it was quite said it it was that wasn't funny but like i remember we remarked and i've seen people remark that like echo hasn't done anything in the last couple episodes yeah. like he doesn't say a lot so maybe that's just like and eh, we don't really need him anymore he can go do his own thing like well he's been the most like, sort of vocal at least in they have been consistent about this in the past couple of sort of like he wants to be doing more um yeah really he's been like that he was like that last season too so i think it's a totally natural progression for his character mm-hmm. the way they've set him up is to be like he does want to be doing more than like working for some fucking crime boss character some lizard monster some lizard monster stealing shit all the time like yeah they're again we say it almost every week but they're in the dark times like this is when people need to step up a bit um to overcome like the worst of it almost of like the empire's really really clamping down at this point and it's it's tough um and the clones are just like you know the most recent sort of victims of that and it, it really will be interested if interesting to see if we get more of this played out of like what does happen to all the clones because we like you said like we obviously know at some point the stormtroopers come in but like yeah what does happen to those millions of dudes like where do they all go right we know of a couple of them. We know, like, you know, literally three and what happens to them after the Clone Wars and the Rebels time. We know that, like, Rex himself was on fucking Endor, right? Um, but largely, it's like, wait, well, yeah, what happens to all these guys? We know that one of them mm-hmm. was begging on fucking whatever planet in Obi-Wan. Like, that's upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, out of work. So, it'll be cool. Um, people, A lot of people made the observation... We're like, wait, guys, Echo is with Rex, but Echo isn't with Rex and in, in uh, Rebels. Rebels. What's gonna happen? Oh my god! I think that's a bit dramatic. One, he tells her he's coming back, and I'm inclined to take him at his word. Um, two, he's a robot man, so he could die quicker. Oh, he could die quicker. He always die slower, maybe. Ooh, what a twist! <laughs> I was just gonna say that um, we don't see any of the Bad Batch in Rebels, so to act like. A character not appearing in Rebels is like some kind of death warrant. Seems yeah, we don't silly. we don't see Luke Skywalker in Rebels. Wait a minute. Yeah, I just don't get that. again. It's because like, oh well, if Rex is with him, or if he's with Rex now, but then not re- with Rex later, what happens to him? I mean, anything, right? <laughs> Whole lot of things. So. Yeah, it's like it's like 10, 10, 15 years between Bad Batch because that was just right at the beginning of the bad times, and Rebels is right at the end. Yeah, so exactly. Time literally twenty. They years. could, could be good for most of that time, except for like two months right before the he shows up in Rebels. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he was in Rebels. But again, I I don't think he'd 
I don't think it'd be that long because at that point Rex has been living a like a quiet, out of the way life himself. So, yeah, I mean, if if his priority really is helping out the clones, I think they can do that and then kind of peace out. I mean, again, until they kind of drag him into it again, bring him back into the fold, Rex wasn't like fighting in the rebellion and like really determined to you know be against the empire he was just content to just live out his life too so i think that's probably where a lot of the clones end up really and that's probably all they want right like like they kind of point out multiple times in this it's like yeah if the clones want to retire basically just live a decent life after they basically from the perspective of the imperials right like won the war for them right um yeah, they should kill all those Jedi, yeah, those yeah. traitorous Jedi. They really got them, so I guess they they definitely should be able to just chill now if they want. So, oh yeah, so uh, good, very good episodes. Got anything else to say going for the rest of these episodes? Um, I don't know. I, I am interested to see where it goes here. Um, again, like these episodes were really fun. They they really uh the first one in particular for obvious reasons like lacking the Bad Batch again and having such a the main character be a character from the Clone Wars, it's one of those ones where it felt a, very, very much like a continuation of the Clone Wars, right? Which is what this mm. show is sort of generally. It's it's, it's like the, the spiritual successor to the Clone Wars, um, but some episodes more than not, right? Um, right, yeah. if you're, Like, we talked about the one, obviously, the third episode there with uh, Crosshair. That one was, again, because it's like, oh, this is an episode about Cody and a bunch of clones. Um just with crosshair as well. That one felt very much as well, like a Clone Wars continuation. So I think that's really cool. Uh, again, they, they're probably some of the best episodes of the series. A lot of people really, really like, you know, talking about this is some of the best Star Wars period, which I don't know if I would totally co-sign that quite yet. I mean, maybe some more time to sit with it, but they're very good. I mean, it's definitely some of the better episodes of this show. Um, and, and, you know, really some really solid Star Wars animation in general. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. Uh, I wouldn't, again, I agree. I wouldn't say it's the best Star Wars stuff ever because, I mean, we did just get Andor. Mm-hmm. And we're about to get the Mandalorian season three. So maybe we should pump, maybe we shouldn't do recency bias on that. But it was still very, very good. Yeah. And again, like I said, I really did appreciate like the political sort of thriller aspect to it all, which was really kind of fun and, and a bit out of the ordinary for Star Wars, which is, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Um, In terms of so, like what we got for the rest of the season, um, Gosh, I don't know. Like, what are we building towards? Not that it has really to be like. A, again, I think people focus too much on like, what's the main plot of this show? But still, something to wonder about. Yeah, I know. Um, a lot of people have been talking recently, and I think we brought this. I might have mentioned this on the show, or at least to you at some point. But whether or not the Bad Batch is going to get a third season, because I don't think you mentioned it to me. Yeah. No, okay. Um, because there's. There's a lot of people are saying like, is this the only you know? Is it going to be two and done? Like, I I am not getting that vibe thus far in the season. Now that we're halfway through, um, this is a slightly shorter season. I do I could totally be um convinced that third season will be it. But I, as of right now, I'm inclined to think we're going to get a third season. Um, yeah, I, I could probably see that about. I could totally see that, like, because we've talked about a couple times, right? That this show can't necessarily culminate in, like, them defeating the Empire or anything, obviously. No, no, no. But I think what this show very much could culminate in is, like, some victory on a smaller scale, like, for the clones, right? If that's what this ultimately all ends up being about, is, like, this is a group of clones after the Clone Wars who ultimately decide to, like, 
do something, whatever it, that ends up being, to like significantly help all the rest of the clones remaining, and then they kind of like that's that's their big thing, their big contribution to the galaxy, and then after that they get to kind of more or less chill out. I think that would make a lot of sense, and could very well be mm-hmm. what they're building towards overall here. Whatever, yeah, a little mega is. like a real life. Yeah, exactly, and like maybe they get to you know have some nice retirement somewhere where yeah they do get to live a normal sort of life largely. Um, but before they do that, yeah, they got to like help out the people that need help. And basically, which again, for them, their priority would be the clones. And like, we also know, you know, we have that thing from the finale of last season, which is like doing some sketchy clone cloning on whatever that mountain is. So like, oh yeah, that could be all playing to the same thing of like stopping the, the empire from taking advantage of clones, basically like that's yeah. their sort of pet project and all this. And then they get to more or less fade into obscurity if they want. Because, again, we know this show can't, you know, culminate in, like, the rebellion. We're doing the rebellion again. Because we have a bunch of stories that are about that. That's not what this will or should mm-hmm. be about. So, Yeah, uh, I agree with all that. That's pretty good point. Sweet. Next season three, probably in the future. So we can probably act out of that into The Last of Us, episode four. Oh, boy, Patrick Mahomes town. Uh... I believe in the title of this episode. Do you? Yeah, maybe. I never know. Who can say? Show up for interpretation. Uh, so this episode, we follow Ellie and Joel on their merry old trek across America to Wyoming. Uh, and then they we address the gas problem. Yes. Which I think is fun. I knew you'd appreciate it. Fuck. Uh, it's good to know they're listening, huh? Yeah, they like, oh, we got to write that in quickly. Get them like, in. I appreciate it. I, I, I very much appreciate that they're listening. They say, God, Zach's bringing up some really good points. I better, uh, we better fix this by the by, you know, time we air next week. Because, of course, you know, they record cool. these episodes a week of, like, uh, yeah, with like South Park or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. um, appreciate they had the they had the chance to get that out. Shout out to to my uh, loyal listeners, to our loyal listeners. Uh, you know, Neil Druckmann and, and Craig Mays in there. And I think Pedro's Just probably listening to as well. So, oh, of course. I mean, might as well. And the Carl Ramsey, big, shout out. big shout out to them all. Big shout out to the boys. You know, we, we really appreciate you guys. Um, so, uh, they start they start in the truck? Do they start in the... Where do they start? They start in the truck. We get the scene that I... Did I tell you about this? I did, right? With the magazine, which we didn't get last yes, week. Yes, we and did. I thought we weren't going to get, get a lot of things. We get it, though. We absolutely did get it. Incredible. Fun little scene. They're listening. Another one that's absolutely just, like, pretty much shot for shot. Completely identical dialogue and everything, which is so great. And, like, I'm, I really am liking the the what that the sort of creates for the show like the feeling that it does which is that mm-hmm. this isn't one to one obviously all the way through but these like these one to one things that are sort of sprinkled throughout are really interesting because it's like you know a fair bit of deviation and then it's like hey here's a scene that is like frame for frame basically what it, we did in the game there you go like and it you know it just gives you the feeling all the way throughout that like no they definitely know you know they're definitely staying true where they need to and deviating where they need to or where they think it would improve and stuff. And, you know, there's a fair balance there, which I think is really good. And like it, you know, we've talked about a lot just on adaptations in general, you know, what the sort of philosophy should be going into that. And I think this is Mm -hmm. a really, a really good way to approach it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's a lot of stuff. And especially as someone who didn't play the games, I get kind of the same feel. Not much is lost. Exactly. Big fan of. Uh, so yeah, they're driving stuff at a gas station, and Ellie is using the bathroom. She's practicing with her gun. She's trying to figure out how to hold it right and fire. 
take all the bullets out and mess with it. And then Ellie's like, do I have to get gas, like siphon gas every half, every hour? Like what's going on? And Joel's like, oh no, we have to do this because every like gas is basically water now. Like it's not, not enough fuel. Like it's not actually fuel anymore. It's like just, it's base components. It's hard to use. And he's like, yeah, we used to be able to go for like hundreds of miles on one tank in these things. And Ellie again does the thing that goes to the plane where she's like, well, where did you go? Like, what did you do to take advantage? She goes, well, I didn't go anywhere. Like I had to stay to my, my house. Which is very funny. She can kind of, yeah, very fun. Puts in perspective how like Ellie has this like fantastical view of like, oh, the world before, yeah. like before the world ended of like, oh, you could, you could fly in the sky and go anywhere and do anything. And Joel's like, well, no, it was still the world. Like I had to do things that I had to do. We can't just go everywhere because someone has to do all the work, yeah. um, which is a fun little thing there. And she finds like a joke book reading to him. And he's like, shut That's up, I hate the this. Game, the joke book and all the jokes. Those are fun. And that becomes a oh, recurring yeah. bit throughout this episode, which is really good. Um, so then they're on the road. The, the the thing where she falls asleep in the car, that's directly out of the game. Uh, that's fun. So they roll up to Kansas City, which this is a departure because in the game, the sequence happens in Pittsburgh, which I think is honestly probably for the best because I actually distinctly remember getting the vibe from the game of like they go from... Boston to Pittsburgh, which I don't, th- I mean, that's a, that is a fair distance, but when you're getting to Wyoming, it's not as long as you might think. Um, yeah. And so I remember, I do remember thinking in the game that like they go from there to there and then they go from, I don't remember where they stop over, but after um, Pittsburgh, they end up wherever. I just remember thinking like it was too, it was needlessly close, basically. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't know. Ultimately, it's not that big a deal, but in the game they change or the show here, they've changed to Kansas City, which is more like you know halfway on the way, which I think is kind of just an interesting thing. I don't know if it really was gonna 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 end up affecting too too much because like what's well, the difference, right? Um, right. The, yeah. I mean, the city's dead anyway, so it's not like it really matters. But um, I think part of it was just what they had available for film, and they say this in the after the episode thing that they just kind of thought that where they were filming in, I think Alberta, um, just they thought fit with Kansas city better, I guess. I don't, I don't freaking know. <laughs> well, red and gold in that area, I guess. I guess. But, uh, so yeah, they're, they roll up to Kansas city and Joel kind of takes the risky decision, um, to basically try to like make their way through the middle of it. Um, instead of going around the outskirts and adding too much extra time. So he's like, fine, we'll go through, but they end up getting kind of turned around and lost and they don't really know where to go or what they're doing. Um, and they encounter some uh, some individuals. They, yeah, they encounter a the the, the QZ zone, QZ of this area, and the gates are all open. They're like, "Uh oh, that's not promising." And they see a guy being like, "Help me, help me!" And Joel's like, "Fuck!" And he speeds ahead, but they're ambushed and they throw a cinder block in their car. And there's tight, there's road spikes, and they crash into this like old laundromat. They're like, "Fuck!" Where I got got like I was. Joel, like, I was too cocky, like, I didn't play safe enough, and now, like, we're in the exact situation I didn't want to be in. Like, this thing, what happens? And he's like, Ellie, go hide in that hole and do not come out until I come and get you. Like, I gotta kill these guys. And uh, he does. He kills, like, two people who are attacking him, and then a third guy appears from the door and tries to kill him, and Ellie pops out and shoots him in the leg, like, in the back somewhere with her, with her gun and paralyzes him. And it's a very intense scene where this guy like begs for his life and is like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. I'm paralyzed. I can't feel my legs. Please don't kill me. We're cool. Just just take me back to my mom. And then he's like, Ellie, give me your knife. And he takes Ellie's knife and he's like, or no, he takes his knife. He's got a knife. He, Joe takes his knife and is like, Ellie, go back behind that wall. She does. And then he just kills him. And Ellie yeah, he, is very distraught. He knifes that guy. She hasn't killed him. 
Yeah. Well, I thought he was going to shoot, but it makes sense because if you shoot him, make a bunch of noise. If he knifes him, and you waste the noise. Waste a bullet, exactly. Um, I don't know that that is the first time she's killed somebody because from what we get later on, I think she she says hurt. She's in the first time she's hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is directly to kill, but it could be. Maybe they just used hurt. Well, no, we'll find out eventually. I think. Uh, but I don't see how we would. How would you know that? You couldn't know that because one of the episodes, a big flashback episode, I think. All right, with uh, Rue's sister there. That one. Anyways, um, yeah, this is that's another whole sequence, pretty much shot for shot again, lifted directly from the games. The whole um, driving through the city and then they throw. Joel tries to run the guy. Although in the in the game, he absolutely plows into the dude with the car. Um, <laughs> that guy and the, the throwing the block and shit, and they crash uh, all right out of the game. The ambush, so that's super cool. Um, good thing the little gunfight's interesting. Really begs the question: Why Joel only brought that? busted up hunting rifle with him well i mean sure it's fine but like really doesn't make sense i I said this last week right like i understand from the perspective of like he's not going to load himself up like he's rambo like he is playing an action shooter video game but still (laughs) bill had a lot of guns and a lot of ammo and a lot more like practical options than a uh bolt action iron sighted rifle but you know what do i know it's the aesthetic see Apocalyptic it really is. They're just leaning way too far into that. Um, also, especially because of the whole like, oh, ammo's so hard to get. Um, everyone they've met so far has fucking guns, so it can't be that hard to get, right? Like, yeah, they all kind of shoot the same guns. He all does. these dudes are lighting them up. There's so many dudes this episode who have M4s with or whatever some kind of M4 variant things, which would have taken the exact same magazines and bullets that his other one had if he had just held onto that thing. Um, Someone pointed this out, and I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Joel should have known that Bill would have ammo for that, because, again, pretty common ammo. So, like, why would he ditch the rifle right before they get to Bill's house instead of keeping it with him and then loading up on ammo for it? It's just, it's a bit silly. There's a bit of, like, suspension of disbelief at play here. Of Like, why? Why Why did you make that decision? (laughs) But whatever. Regardless, they get in their little gunfight, and they hash it out, and, yeah, Ellie saves his life, which is another thing that's pretty out of the book, or out of the game. In the game, um... (laughs) Dude doesn't beg for his life. She just puts him down. Um, Ooh, like she, I think she shoots him in the head. So definitely unsettling, right? Like it's an upsetting moment. Oh, yeah. um, at the same time, it's like it's this so it's this weird, horrible, like tangled morality of this world they live in, right? Because I mean, you really do feel bad for the kid, right? When he's laying there begging for his life, like I think there's something innate to that, right? Like something human yeah. that makes you want to be like, oh, geez. At the same time, like. He tried to kill Joel. Like, yeah, he was literally, you know, he ambushed them. They literally tried to kill them both. Yeah, if he had succeeded and killed Joel, he, I mean, he might have felt bad about it, but he wouldn't have, you know, he he was trying to kill Joel, basically, right? Like, you know, no other way around it. No other way around it. If Ellie hadn't done that, it would be Joel who's dead now instead. And now that he lost, basically, he's like really backtracking it. And like, actually, I was kidding, guys. Please don't kill me. Like, to an extent, isn't he? You know, He's not necessarily feel feels bad that he did the wrong thing. He's you know feels bad because he got caught. Like not that he's mm-hmm. he yeah. lost. He started it. I mean he, they really did right. They fucking ambushed them and then they all got fucked up because Joel's better than them. One by one. And now it's like wait, come on, we're not really fighting, are we guys? Come on, which is a joke. You say shame. I have a mom. It's like yeah, we all got moms, man. But uh. Yeah, all our moms like us. Yeah, so. all our moms like. Yeah, my mom likes me too, actually. But I'm not trying to kill people in the street, so you know. Um, but yeah, still upsetting. I mean, <laughs> that dude was uh, you know, 
yeah, you, you can't help but feel bad for him on some human level, just naturally. But also, of don't course. throw cinder blocks at people's cars and try to kill them. Maybe. Yeah, well, they can't use their cars. Um, yeah, so after, after they get done with that, they go like into hiding and try to find their way out of the city. Uh, and then we cut to the current situation in Kansas City where this guy's all chained up in a Fedra like storage unit where they probably held people in the beginning. Yeah, like in a cell, oh, that's a good word for it. <laughs> and uh, it was a woman who kind of seems to be the leader. He's questioning him. He's like, "Where is this guy named Henry? Like, you don't know where he is. You don't know where any of these people are." This guy's like, "Come on, man! Like, can we stop, please?" And I don't remember her name, but he's like pleading with her. And she's like, "I delivered you. Like, I held you in my arms when you were a baby. Like, I've known you all your life. Please stop doing this to me." And she's like, "I'm gonna kill you with this gun if you don't tell me where this Henry guy is. He's fucking our operation up." He's like, please, I, I'm just a doctor. Like, I just want to help people. Like, we've gone, you've gone too far in a lot of ways here, and we really need to stop. And she's like, mm, maybe I'll kill you. And then she's distracted because, like, the party, uh, they come back with the bodies of the people that Joel killed. And she's like, can I, and there's one of them who's like kind of alive, maybe still alive. And he's like, can we save him with a doctor? Cause she's going to use him. And he's like, no, he, no, no one can save him. He's like done. So she goes into a cell and just shoots that guy in the face with a gun yeah. that she was talking to just to get rid of him, which I was like, whoa. Yeah. So did not expect that. This whole thing here is a big departure from the game. So in the game, in this section, uh, the enemies are just generic raiders, right? They really are just like vagrant, unorganized or relatively disorganized raiding types who just ambush you and shit like they don't have this kind of all backstory to them they're just like shithead vagrants who seemingly inhabit the city um so this you know very much uh pads out their faction and, and like the lore of it all and everything and gives them a lot more character as like oh they are people who have just recently led a successful revolt against fedra in their um in their qz right which is interesting it's you know it's a, definitely a different sort of take on it um, I do think it creates a bit of like a weird discrepancy there because it's like if these people are this more organized put together group right and again they have done this like successful revolt against Fedra why are they just ambushing people in the streets <laughs> like in trying to I don't know steal their cars and shit with like yeah, chucking cinder blocks them at them and loot. shit like it makes you know by keeping it so similar to it was in the game it it gives them the sense that they are this like ragtag barely put together like group of survivors Militia. but it's like then we cut to them and they have like actual they've got like armored vehicles with like machine guns a lot of their dudes are rocking like seemingly um you know like military rifles so yeah the fact that they were like trying to smash joel's car with a brick so that they can like i don't know drag him out and take their sleeping bags and shit <laughs> feels stupid but whatever it's just kind of the discrepancy that you get there by kind of again keeping one thing but changing another yeah, uh, basically they want they want Henry and uh, whoever he's with. I can remember, I don't remember. Did they say his name? Uh, I think no. I think uh, at one point she mentioned who's with Henry, but Henry and his son. His son is with well, him, yeah. but I don't. Well, it's not his son, but oh, it's someone else. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. But yeah, that those characters who we'll get more next week. But um, so she's looking for them because they were collaborators because they were helping Fedra basically, um, seemingly at the sort of at the expense of their neighbors, which is tough, right? Like that is kind of a shitty scenario. It's, you know, like collaborators throughout history with like various regimes and scenarios and things. It's tough because like you, on the one hand, you're trying to do what's best for your, you and your people. But then like, you know, yeah. In a lot of cases, if you're throwing your neighbors under the bus, that's not cool either. So 
it's tough. And, and you know, the other thing of it, obviously, is that we only have thus far heard it from her side of things, which, again, as, as the leaders, like, of this successful violent revolt, um, they probably are not completely on the bus. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe if we hear his side of things, we'll get a better picture. But for now, she's like, well, the Fedra sucked, which we do know they sucked. Um, everything we've seen of them mm-hmm. suggests that they're uh, pretty shitty, like, government. But still, it's like at one point she literally says we're gonna like round up and kill all of the uh, collaborators. And it's like, jeez, um, yeah, not a great way to have yeah. a peaceful yeah. transition of power when you're like, kill them all, round them up. And they talked about this in the after uh, the episode thing that like there's instances of this throughout history where you have some kind of group that like violently um, revolts and, and overthrows an oppressive regime, and they end up replacing it with something that's virtually as bad that's oh, kind of yeah, what's absolutely. happened here is and i kind of talked about this even with the fireflies in episode one where there's this like this military violent dictatorship sucks and that's why we're gonna kill them all and you we're gonna firebomb this shit out of them let's and go. use our force and then we're and then we'll be in charge yeah and it's like well i don't know have you really done anything different here or yeah, what's different between your group? It's just kind of the same thing, but it's cool when you guys mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. You're like locking people up and summarily executing them and shit too, huh? Cool. I mean, at least Fedra will hang you. Yeah, we could do you that honor. This apparently, and they'll like at least read out some bogus sentences they gave you. She just shot that man while he was in his cell. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, he thought he was chilling. That's not super cool, is it? No, less than cool, I'd say. Uh, but so, so uh, they go ahead. We uh, cut back to. Joel and Ellie, and they're like, they're looking for us. They're, they're checking all the like apartment buildings. They're going to check all these buildings next. So we got to keep moving. And they have a little chat where he like awkwardly tries to like comfort her and like therapy therapeutic and be like, it's the first time you hurt somebody. And Ellie's like, you suck, but it's not the first time. And I don't really want to talk about it. And Joel's like, I can respect that. I hate talking about my feelings too when I kill people. Uh, so they kind of bond over that. And then they go uh, in an apartment building. Yeah. Seems uh, like it. Where they start climbing up. They're like, how many stairs? Like, I was about 45 of these. And they're like, we're doing all of them. He goes, we'll do how many as my old ass body can take. And he climbs like 33 of them. And they're hanging out and they have a little, little chat about it when they get back up top. And Joel mentions how he can't hear very well out of his right ear. And he's like, come guns. He's like, yeah, you shoot guns a lot. Your hearing's going to go like, I never see anyone like, with ear pro in this show. So yeah, they're like, yeah, I've been shooting guns at people for 20 years. Like, I'm old, and also I loud things will go off. I'm just gonna lose my hearing naturally, mm-hmm. and more in my right ear. You probably can't hear very well in either ear. But he puts like glass out so they can't sneak up on him. They do sneak up on him. Henry and his son sneak up on him, and they get him. They're like, ah, fuck. And this episode ends for them. But also before they do that, I think uh, the lady and her like right hand man or whatever was like searching for Henry, and they come underground, and the ground's like moving around. There's something underneath it, and they're like, fuck, that's not good. And the guy's like, should we tell people that the ground's moving? She's like, no, probably not worry about it. We can't worry about two things, so let's ignore it. Don't tell anyone or I'll kill you. And he's like, all right, I guess. Which I assume is the big um, big uh, group of uh, of like zombie, yeah, yeah. fungus zombies and the big Hulk and yeah, Berserker one from the trailer mm-hmm. hiding underneath. I think so, too. Yeah, I think everybody's going to die in Kansas probably, City. Except probably for- not going to be a super great time for a lot of people, I would say. No. No, I think they're going to have to leave Kansas City. Well, yeah, they don't intend to stay either, though. Or, well, our heroes, yeah. at least. Screw these people. Our heroes. I mean, like, yeah. the people screw those there. people. They suck. Uh, but, yeah, we, there's some. There's a lot of great stuff in here. There's, so there's the whole scene where Joel is, like, 
trying to comfort her, like you said, and gives her a gun back. And she's like, oh, sick, thanks. Um, and he's like, you know how to use this properly? And he, he teaches her the, the nice grip and everything. Um, he really does, like, do his best, I think, to have a heart-to-heart here where he's, like, talking about it. He's like, yeah, I, I know, like, it sucks hurting people like that. Like, you shouldn't have to do that. Like, you know, this world kind of sucks. <laughs> You know, you're you're young, like you shouldn't have to be hurting people, or like you, sh- you shouldn't have to fucking kill anybody, kind of thing. But it is what it is, and yeah, that's when she is the line where she's like, "It's not the first time," and you can see Joel's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like even he has a bit of a moment there of like, "Man, this wow!" Like the the world is in a rough place. Um, he also has I don't remember exactly when it comes up, but one of my f- absolute favorite lines um from the game it makes its way into here. Um, just for how much it like you know how how sort of economical it is and how much it reveals to us about joel and stuff is when she's like how'd you know like how'd you know about the ambush and he's like huh? and she's like I, like how'd you know what they were doing he's like i i've been on both sides that's it that's the only thing he says but it's like shit like again all throughout this um you know first couple episodes here um i think the show in particular even has done like an even better job of conveying it to us that like joel's Joel's a bad man. <laughs> like he's done, he's done terrible things to people, like innocent people. Frankly, probably. since the apocalypse, he's since it really popped off, he's probably almost exclusively done bad things. Like mm. real realistically, right? Like he was a drug dealer, which I mean, whatever. Um, but being a smuggler, you know, criminal character type, obviously in a world like this, it's like he's had even a big deal. But it's just in general, he has not had any, you know, like clearly any compunctions about being a sort of like upstanding moral type guy since everything's popped off yeah, keeping his morals in the apocalypse he, we do get a little bit more about his time going to boston oh, yeah. he's like yeah me and Tom talked about his brother he's like yeah me and tommy he joined a group to head to boston because i like well i had to keep an eye on him so i just followed him there which is all the answer i need really it's like well, why did he get there he followed Tommy. exactly it's, okay. it's like with the gas thing and stuff where it's like Listen, I don't know if that's the perfect explanation, but you've said something and it's put yeah. me at ease. So I get it. And it's and it's plausible enough that I'm like, okay, that's it's enough. The same thing I said last week where it's like, as long as you're thinking about it too, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. Puts me at, puts us at ease. Because I just don't want it to, to say you're thinking like they didn't even think of it. Like it didn't even occur to them. Um, but yeah, I just think that's a great line where he's like, I've been on both sides and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, Joel was out here doing ambushes like this, just fucking killing people and robbing them and stuff. Like, all their shit. It's just, at, cer- at some point in this story, um, you know, it becomes really easy to like Joel. And I think it's just interesting to keep in mind that um, he just yeah. isn't probably a good person by any standards that we would ascribe, right? Yeah. It's it very much it won't let you forget that, which I think is good. I think it is good because I think it's not like oh, I did a bad thing once and now I'm redeemed. Mm-hmm. It's like well, no, like people are complex and he did a terrible thing. He can also be a good person to this this girl, but also terrible to people he doesn't have a connection to. Which is like yeah, pretty much everyone, right? Yeah. <laughs> like there are very few people who are evil to like everybody or whatever. If you know such a thing even exists, and and like. Also, the thing about this world is that maybe there are no good people left, right? Maybe 20 years on, if you live, it's because you've done terrible things. And everyone who wasn't willing to has already been weeded out. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe there is no one who is truly good. If, again, such a thing even exists. But um, if there is, Joel Joel definitely is not it. And I just think that's, oh, again, no. I think it's really interesting. I know stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, like I said, so then they're, oh, really, as they're going to bed, um, 
there's a really nice scene where she tells him another joke and um she she generally gets him to crack up for the first time and they they share a laugh which is potentially like the very, the one of the very very first moments here where we have like like a genuine just nice um bond uncomplicated yeah like bonding moment between them which is nice oh yeah absolutely they said uh in the after the episode thing that like this is sort of the very end of last episode is the first time that they really start to feel like a team and i think that totally comes across um oh absolutely and yeah going through forward through like this whole episode you really definitely get that vibe until yeah at the end here it's like not only are they a team and like they're committed to it the very least working together to make it um they also seem to actually like each other or at least very much starting to so super cool and then yeah they get snuck up on so joel's uh ear and and glass thing (laughs) fell him i guess or they were just very sneaky probably already there on the floor they probably didn't come through that doorway, right, so it yeah. didn't even matter. Um, and they get them. They they sneak up, do a bit of a sneaky sneak, and a couple of sneaky boys. Wake them up, so we'll see what happens next week. Maybe next week we'll just begin with that little boy shooting Joel in the head twice, and uh, there it is. <laughs> and then like, and that's the end. And now it's just, and I was like, oh, can I power on with you guys? And they go, no. sure. And they shoot just, her uh, too, and that's it. They go, bang, bang. bang. He gets and then the rest of the week. The rest of the season is just uh, the Henry show. You're like, wow, what a I perspective. Wow, I can I can't believe it. It's different from the game. What's what's gonna happen? <laughs> no, nah, I think I think maybe they're not as bad as they seem at this exact moment. So Yeah, I think there's more to, I think there's morality. They're a little bit of gray. I do gotta say, I think I, I told you about this. This is a thing their first meeting is is changed from what it is in the game where they like I think they like fleeing to a house or something. The point is they like they kind of bump into them in a room and Joel assumes that he's one of the raider guys and just starts laying into him. Just beating the ever-loving shit out of him, and then uh, the I think is it Sam? Maybe is he younger? I think it's Sam. And yeah. but then he pulls the gun, and so then Ellie's like, "Oh, Joel, wait, hold on!" And they're like, "Hey, whoa, don't shoot me, kid!" And then they all kind of like realize, like, "Oh, wait, if you got a kid with you, and I got a kid with me, then we're not raiders." Maybe we're not so different. Yeah. Well, basically, they're like, "We're not raiders," because if you were, if you were one of those, like, yeah murderous raiding dudes you wouldn't have a child with you so there's clearly something else going on here and they they kind of make peace but then henry's like you were hitting me really hard <laughs> and joel's like I'm, i was trying to kill you <laughs> <laughs> or whatever he said because well, he's like yeah i was trying to kill you <laughs> that's just a good line too lots of lots of really dry like right. funny shit from joel <laughs> or unintentionally oh, yeah, funny shit because he's just because he is so dry and just, just like it. yeah i don't know so matter so fact. serious and broken kind of from the apocalypse oh yeah yeah uh so anything else to say i think that kind of wraps it up for this episode uh, this week i think so it's it's great okay. man this this show is real good oh absolutely it's it's truly really good uh so with that i think we can wrap it up for the week as always thanks so much for listening as always you can on twitter at architect jazz that's j-a-z on gmail at architect jazz gmail.com and on instagram at the architect podcast you can listen to us wherever you listen to your own podcasts across all different platforms. Our logo was done by Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. Uh, you can, our logo was done by a friend of the show, Celery Salt. Uh, you can always find him on Celery Salt as well on SoundCloud and Spotify for his singles and albums. Uh, and as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. So you got to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night. And Godspeed.